Welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. This is a conversation that I never expected that I would be having because, quite honestly, I didn't even know that this person was living in my community. And it was a really interesting text that I got about a week ago from a former KCRA colleague, Pamela Wu, who texted me from her current job at UC Davis, where she coordinates communications for the medical world out there. She said, hey, we have a doctor at UC Davis, as it turns out, who is going to be the US Olympic women's team doctor in Tokyo. There are two of them this time. Would you be interested in talking with her? Uh, Pamela's known me for a long time, so obviously it was like, uh, yeah, I sure would. And within 48 hours, I had an opportunity to meet Dr. Marsha Faustin, uh, just days before she would take off for Tokyo, to a job that will be probably one of the most scrutinized jobs in the Olympics in terms of Team USA. And that is, of course, because of the Larry Nassar scandal, which since Rio has erupted and and gone through so many different angles after becoming the biggest sexual abuse scandal in sports history. And his victims included some of the biggest names in American gymnastics, including the star of Tokyo, Simone Biles. So the medical staff selected following everything that's happened and everything these women have come forward so bravely to talk about was going to be a crucial decision. So there are two women who will serve as team doctors in Tokyo, and Dr. Faustin is one of them. So Dr. Faustin uh, works in sports medicine. She comes from an athletic background herself. She was actually a three-sport athlete, which is very interesting because the sports are wildly different. And a couple of years ago, she was approached about working with gymnastics. That was actually one of the sports that she had a background in. And so about two years ago, she started working with the national team. And if you're a team doctor, you go to their big competitions and you are available should something happen, but then also you're there to help with just their day-to-day needs as well. So, you know, you're supposed to have nothing but trust with your doctor, but this is a group that had anything but trust. So the selection of these two women to be the team doctors was very critical. And from what I can tell, they seem to have a great relationship with these athletes. So the doctors do have some entirely new rules set up to protect the athletes. So everything from formal consent from the athletes to treat them. They use privacy curtains only for specific types of treatment. Multiple adults are now present when they are receiving care. And Dr. Faustin is going to talk about her approach to being there for these athletes. And it's a very much a team approach. So it's working with the athletes, but also with their families and their parents, because some of them, many of them, are so incredibly young. So on this Dying to Ask, we'll talk to her about the honor of being chosen for this job, why she felt she was so suited to do it, and then also what these women need from her as a doctor as they embark on this incredible experience in Tokyo and what she felt they deserve as human beings from here on out. Dr. Marsha Faustin is my guest on Dying to Ask. 
Olympians. They're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. I'm sure you have like a million things on your to-do list. What's the most random thing on your to-do list right now? Oh, this is a good question. To make sure that I sign up for my United Airlines internet so I can do work on the flight. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say like stream something on Netflix. <laughs> well, that's gonna go with the TV that's on the back. You know, it's always a double thing that's going on there. Always, I love Absolutely. Okay, well, I promise I will remind you to sign up for that thing here at okay. the end of the interview. Um, you have an exciting adventure ahead of you for the next couple of weeks. So how did the opportunity to be the Olympic team doctor for women's gymnastics come about? Yes, so um, growing up, I was a three-sport athlete. I was a varsity sport athlete in high school. I did volleyball, gymnastics, and track, and- Okay, stop. That is a weird combo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't think so. I've ever heard a three-sport athlete have that particular combo. It was interesting, yes. So I did volleyball, gymnastics, and track, and then I also did club volleyball, and I did club gymnastics. And so I did high school, and then those other two sports, and that's why when we were younger, I have three um, older sisters. I'm from Chicago, the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, my parents immigrated from Haiti. And so my dad was like, everyone has to do a sport. No one can come home from school. And when you're old enough, <laughs> I you love can- your dad already. I know, he's incredible. And he said, when you're old enough, you can get a job. And so I love sports. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I didn't even wanna do track and field, which I'm so grateful for now because I had a division one scholarship to Loyola University of Chicago. Wow. And I was a high jumper and a 200 runner and a 400 You runner. anticipated my next question, yeah. okay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and so I know they are a random group of sports, I guess, that you would say, but it's helped me to learn it's different great. skills and I got to be part of different teams and that's the most exciting part of it all. And so I've always loved gymnastics the most. Um, it just wasn't the most talented at it, but I still have my friends from when I was 10, 12 years old and we did gymnastics right now. And so um, as I went through, I went to medical school at University of Chicago, Pritzker School of Medicine. And then I did my family medicine residency at the University of California, San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed on for my sports medicine fellowship. And then I came here to um, UC Davis for my um, attending position. And so while I was a fellow, I did a rotation and I worked with Dr. David Cruz, who's the current medical director for USA Gymnastics, which means he oversees all the discipline, not just men's or women's, but also right. acrobatic trampoline rhythmic. And he's also the team physician for the men's. And so I went and did a rotation with him for a couple of weeks in Orange County. And I said I wanted to volunteer and he gave me opportunities to go places and to show up and just work hard and I got to work with Dr. Alicia Green who was the team physician at that time and she helped mentor me and in 2019 they wanted to make it co-team physicians and so that's when Dr. Ellen Casey who is a physiatrist sports medicine physician at the Hospital of Special Surgery and so she's in New York and I'm here in California and together we have had this position. So I I've been it. working it's with totally them for It's totally like East years. Coast, West Coast then. It's totally East Coast, West Coast, you're right. So what then are you guys responsible for? Like how often are you around the women and what, what, what are you on the hook for? 
so to speak. So to speak. Best, yes. best hook ever, by the way, yes. I would say. <laughs> it's a pretty incredible hook that we, we have and we get to work together. Dr. Allen Casey is an incredible person and then a clinician, and so I just get to learn from her, which is exciting. Um, but outside of a pandemic year, the women train all over the country the national team athletes. And so every four to six weeks, they come together for a camp. Mm -hmm. um, and so those camps are in Indianapolis. And so while we're at camp, we're there, Dr. Casey and I will split who goes to this one and then who goes to the other one, because we're also still doing our main occupations at get home. Your day jobs. <laughs> we've, got, we've got our day jobs. Um, and so we're there with the athletes for about four to six days at the time, um, training and taking care of their primary care needs and their musculoskeletal needs and anything with mental health or any other things that they need. And then we also help to take care of the coaches too and the USA Gymnastics staff that will also be there. Wow. And then in between those events, you know, and then for competitions, we go to competitions with them and we're there for, you know, Olympic trials just occurred. And so we were there for eight days. Um, and so we're just on all the time for them and we're at practice with them and do we do rehabilitation and evaluations with them. And so we spend a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, good meet, you're bored. Good meet, you're bored, you're watching incredible gymnastics or any other sport, right? Anytime you work any sporting event, you just wanna be sitting back a little bit nervous, but watching the girls just achieve their dreams. Do you just hold your breath when Simone Biles does what she does and the other women, like, are you like, do you have that moment? Like we do at home, yeah. sitting on the couch, you're like, yeah. I think that they, I mean, it's incredible to be there, right? For Simone and all the women that are on the team right now and the women that aren't even on the team and get to go to the Olympics, they are incredible. They could make another team if they were in a different country, Absolutely. you know? And so it's incredible to watch, it is. And it's also nerve wracking because they're doing <laughs> amazing <laughs> athletics and we wanna make sure that they stay healthy. Absolutely. So heading out to Tokyo, um, you mentioned the team, you have a co-team doctor. She went with the team um, when they left Correct. and then you guys will basically swap out. So what will be your job? Because you'll arrive two days before the prelims start. Correct. So Dr. Casey arrived with the team. They left on Wednesday here from the United States. And so they've already completed two trainings. And when I arrive, I will we've worked seamlessly together and that's why we're able to do this. And so when I get there, they just know that we've just switched doctors and I'm there for practices. I'm there all day and all night for them, whatever, anything that they need in order to just make sure that they're safe and we can help to do any injury prevention we can do. And if there's hopefully nothing else for us to do, then that's gonna be a great time for Have us. Have you ever been to an Olympics? I haven't. This is my first one. Are I'm you very ex excited. Are you just so excited? Incredibly excited, yes. Yeah. Um, what keeps, when I've gone to cover the Olympics, the week before I leave, I usually wake up with these dreams of like, I forgot to get this person, I need to ask this person for video. What wakes a team doctor up in the middle of the night? What are you thinking about? <sighs> <laughs> Well, um, I think it's the same thing that wakes me up now, just being a, you know, having my clinic and the patients that I take care of, you know, did I put that order in or did I evaluate that correctly or do, is the patient going to be okay and just, are they going to be safe and how do we keep them safe? You know, so the same things that's going to wake me up when I'm at the Olympics are the same things that wake me up when I'm here. Okay, except just, it's an Olympics in a pandemic. So. Except it's an Olympics <laughs> in a pandemic. So I really hope that everyone's yeah. safe and we don't have COVID and none of our tests turn positive and everyone stays healthy. The hoops people are jumping through are really quite remarkable. From a doctor's perspective, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? 
I think that the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, their chief medical officer is Dr. John Finoff, and then their medical director is Amber Donaldson, and they have done an incredible job to disseminate a enormous amount of information that has come from the Japanese government and what they're doing for protocols to keep us safe. And so they have taken all the measures that are there to try to keep everybody as safe as possible. And also to not impact the Japanese medical system, because that has been a concern for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's one of the things that maybe people have kind of missed out on is, um, yeah, we want to protect our own athletes, but really we just don't want to be a burden in any way. You've got it. Um, they have set up different clinics and different areas that people, that the athletes and all of the staff that are there to help make these Olympics go through, um, that are there to help keep them safe. So us as a medical team, we're hoping we don't have to use the services of the USOPC. And if we do need to go to a hospital, Dr. Finoff and his team have already communicated and have had for now what, over a year <laughs> of communications with those hospital systems and how can we make this work and be as you said, to not burden um, the systems that are there. Yeah, this um, job that you've taken on would be an honor in any Olympics. Mm -hmm. In this Olympics, um, it, it's a different kind of job yeah. and for some obvious reasons. You know, if I ask the average person to name an Olympic team doctor or a national team doctor for sport, there's probably only one name they could say, and mm -hmm. it's Larry Nasser. given the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. What do these women need from team doctors going into this Olympics? Because the amount of scrutiny on them, which is always great, mm -hmm. is even greater for a lot of different reasons. What do they need from you, and, and how do you approach the job based on that? Yes, um, you know, Dr. Casey and I, what we wanted to do is to build trust, right? To build rapport, just like if you're in clinic. You're not gonna, if I'm talking to you and you don't trust me or you don't believe in what I'm saying, then you're not gonna follow those recommendations. And so it's not just building trust with the athletes, we have to include the coaches, we have to include the parents, we have to include the USA Gymnastics staff. It's a community, it's a family that we all have to know that we have one goal in mind and it's the safety of the athlete and to watch them achieve their goals. And so that's why we work so hard with them and to try to have that collaboration. Yeah, the amount of mental focus these women have with the distractions that some of them have dealt with mm -hmm. um, is really quite remarkable. What would you say about, about their strength and also maybe the example that they've set for a lot of people? These women, these athletes, these human beings, they are beyond incredible, like you're saying. I mean, the pressure that is on them and they're living in a world of social media where, you know, we didn't grow up when we were younger and go through those vulnerable years with social media. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Sidebar, so happy about exactly. that. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, their athleticism is amazing. Obviously, everybody loves it, everybody watches it, but the hard work that goes into it, people don't always see. And then the other side, right? They're humans just like us. They go through good times and bad times because that is life. And they do it on a scale that's much larger and they are so brave, they're so courageous, they're so vulnerable, and they understand their impact on those that come behind them, right? Those kids that they're impacting, and not just kids, they impact adults. And they really push people to just be their true self and they do it in a beautiful way. And it's great to watch and they have to go out and win medals. And then they have to go out and win medals and they have a mental strength that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, speaking of the mental part of it, this is the first time that the USOPC is going to have mental health officers and mm -hmm. there is, and I think this is amazing, finally like a real recognition of 
the, the mental health impact that a lot of athletes of any sport mm -hmm. go through, not only in an Olympics, but after an Olympics, exactly. especially for those who leave a sport afterward. Um, why is that so critical right now, not only with the fact that, of the conditions that they'll be you know, working under in Japan, but also afterward too? Absolutely. Um, the USOPC has done a great job, like you said, moving mental health forward. They hired Dr. Jessica Bartley, who's a clinical psychologist, and they've created a 24-7 crisis hotline and treatment centers all over the nation. And even within our teams at the national championships and Olympic trials that just occurred, their senior clinical psychologist, Karen Kogan, was at those events. So, you know, you're at Olympic trials and it's the highs, right? You're watching people achieve their dreams. It's incredible. But you also see the lows. It's devastating yeah. for those that don't get to get there. You know, they don't get to reach what they wanted to reach, although they are incredible, you know, beyond belief. And she's there and we're there as the medical providers to help provide that support. And I think we know that so much especially during this pandemic, right? It's been hard for so many people, right? I don't know, nobody's absolved from this. And so to have their support there is truly incredible and to really focus on the whole person, right? Not just their musculoskeletal or their primary care needs, but also to include their mental health within it. We're doing something during the Olympics that we're calling the 21 day challenge. Okay. So we're, we're doing 21 straight days of asking people to get out and do something to focus on their physical or their mental health. 15 that. minutes is your minimum buy-in. I mean, like, it's not very much, but uh -huh. it's 21 straight days. Okay. So the concept is, you know, we're all coming out of this pandemic, like, let's hit the reset button. Mm -hmm. From a doctor's perspective, mm -hmm. what's the number one thing you would say to people about taking a really renewed and serious look at your health? Not only the physical, but the mental. Why do we need to do it so much right now? We need to do this. What I tell patients is we need to get outside. We need to reset ourselves. We need to renew ourselves and set new goals so we can move forward because we are stuck in such an uncertain time and that is anxiety provoking for many people. And what we learned is that connections and human connections are so important. So if you can get outside and do this 21 day challenge with a friend and connect with somebody and help to inspire each other, I think it's beautiful and I think that it'll regenerate people to achieve new goals and set new goals for themselves. I love that. Mm -hmm. Love it. You're going to the Olympics. I'm going to the Olympics. And you need to go get your <laughs> United Wi-Fi stuff taken yes. care of. <laughs> See, I Among many you. things and like packing. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> to figure out the packing situation there is, is also that. a good Because I don't one. think you're borrowing stuff from Simone. That's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have the greatest adventure and that you are super bored okay. sitting there watching those girls perform. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I'm excited to be a part of it. And um, I look forward to speaking to you in the future. A big thanks to the crew at UC Davis for helping coordinate this really remarkable interview. It was um, truly fascinating to me to talk to Dr. Frosten, and I appreciated her candor, her bluntness, and also her sense of humor. I can tell that they have a lot of fun as a group, and that is important in these stressful situations that they are in. And uh, it, it's a really interesting partnership that she will have with these women as they do what they do 
in Tokyo. And from here on out, she's not going anywhere after the Olympics. This is a, a gig I think she wants to hang on to for a while. If you have any questions about things you're seeing during the Tokyo Olympics, you can always reach out to me. I have so many useless facts crowding up my brain and I'd love to unload a few. The easiest way to get a hold of me is to get on Instagram. You'll find me at runreadsip and you can always message me and I'll do my best to find an answer for you. And we'll be posting lots of behind the scenes photos from our Olympic Zone show. It's going Monday through Friday, every afternoon at 4.30. I host the show along with Brian Heap and um, we're having a lot of fun. And if you have not started the 21 day challenge, Okay, it's not too late. You can still get in on it any day. It's a commitment to focus on your physical and your mental health for 21 straight days using the Olympics as your inspiration. And if you go to kcra.com Olympics, you can see some of the stories that I've been putting together about the challenge from Olympians and people really close with the Olympic movement on how to give yourself a little reboot because who doesn't need one of those right now? Thanks for listening to the Dying Task podcast and we'll catch you again next time.